One percenters, how we doing? Another week. I'm just blessed to have another podcast episode to be able to share with you guys. And I ask you, if you like this podcast and you benefit from it, jump onto iTunes and the podcast app and leave a review. If you think five stars, that's amazing. If there's something I can do better for you to help it improve, just let me know. I'm open to advice. I'm very coachable and I love hearing from you. So let's just hop into this week's podcast. And who we have here is an actor, Mark Blucas. He is known for playing Riley Finn in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And if you remember the movie Pleasantville, yeah, he's in there cashing in threes as a basketball player. Because Mark started as a high-level college basketball player for Wake Forest Demon Deacons, playing right alongside one of his best friends, Tim Duncan. It's been an amazing journey for Mark to get to where he is now today. And he goes through that in depth on the mindsets that he's had and just really how he makes things happen. He speaks them into existence and he actually goes and and does it. No matter what it is, he doesn't feel like anybody can tell him no, which is an amazing talent and skill to have. And he shares those type of mindsets of how he got to that point. I mean, he played college basketball, thought he was going to play professionally overseas, didn't work, thought he was going to be a lawyer, and then pivoted again to becoming an actor. And he got in and took full advantage of it. He tells you all his secrets, tricks, habits that he's done to become who he is today as a budding actor who's only going to continue to grow and grow in this in this industry like i said he's been in buffy the vampire slayer pleasantville summer catch we were soldiers started alongside mel gibson chris klein katie holmes he has done it all and he's only just beginning one percenters you are in for an amazing treat today mark lucas take it away buckle up because here we go and here it is chili pad chilitechnology.com these guys are my favorite not just because their product is amazing and chili pad actively manages the body's temperature to deliver a magical deep sleep great rem makes you feeling like you've woken up just fully rested and recovered to attack the day but the people they are i know them well and they are some of the best people that will care for you make sure that you are absolutely getting the most out of every night's sleep and think about it too you're gonna save a ton of money just because you don't have to turn the air conditioner down to 60 degrees This chili pad or the Uller, it's going to regulate your body's temperature to sleep in the cold. Cool sleep is magical sleep. And luckily for you, they're great friends of mine and they've given me a code to give you a super discount. DNBball25 at checkout gets you 25% off the chili pad. DNBball10 gets you 10% off the Uller at checkout. Go to chilitechnology.com. All of this will be linked in the show notes and start sleeping like a baby today. Start us off with a bang. Let me know something that nobody knows about you. Something. Oh, my gosh. Your biggest, deepest, darkest secret. (laughs) You know, it's a it's a shallow well, thankfully. Um, You know, this certainly isn't my deepest, darkest, shallow secret, but. I do find it odd that I've lied about my height my entire life. 
you know, as an <laughs> athlete, I was club, always man. a few inches taller. As yep. as an actor, I'm a few inches shorter. <laughs> oh, like, interesting. What an odd thing, because you know, as I as I jokingly usually say, it's like, look, compared to professional athletes, I'm a slug. Compared to actors, I'm a phenomenal fucking athlete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and again, uh, you know, you go from being the shortest guy in, in a locker room to one of the biggest guys on set because so many actors and actresses are so small. Oh, um, interesting. So you so, do have to say you're shorter than you are. I, I mean, I, I, joke, I, I joke about it, but yeah, I slouch well because yeah. sometimes the leading girl might be 5'2". Yeah, I, good point. I, I, you know, it's... I, I'm a foot taller and 100 pounds. It's like, you yeah, know, no, no wonder like Shaquille next to me. No wonder <laughs> Brecken Myers booking so many right, roles. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shout out directly at him. <laughs> directly at Brecken, which has nothing to do with his talent. <laughs> and everything to do with his height. Very true. Very true. Okay, talk about then pivoting your life. You talked about being a, an athlete, a college athlete, playing at a very high level at Wake Forest. How, how do you go from having putting everything in your life revolving around athletics, revolving around basketball, and then deciding, hey, this is my pivot I'm going to make. I'm going to go into acting. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an active choice is what's weird about it is because, you know, I had, a, I had academic scholarships to law school. I, 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 I got invited to pro camp in Chicago. I got to picked up to play overseas. So I got that hoop dreams feeling yeah. of getting paid to play. And, For sure. And, and, and not – it would have had the, been the perfect scenario to make the NBA or the springboard of the NBA in this – you know, you've been down this road, too. Mm-hmm. That's Steve Kerr, John Paxson model mm-hmm. of if you play with superstars and it's not too much of a mismatch on the defensive end, like That's if you it. have a coach that believes in that philosophy with the right personnel on the other teams, on the other players in that team, then maybe you get a yep. shot. Yep. So uh, my overseas thing was not a, was only mainly about living up the hoop dreams and, and playing. Same I did not I. think it was an NBA springboard. Um, but then you know, I started commentating games for ESPN. I was set to go. I was set to go to wow. to law school, um, and our sports information director at Wake Forest said, "Hey, they're shooting a basketball movie in Charlotte. Need a white kid who can shoot." I'm like, "Hey, that'll be a cool thing to tell my kids." Hey, your old man was in a movie one day and <laughs> bust out some old VHS tape, you know. Um, and so I did it, and then the cliche happened. I caught the bug. I had I had enough Amazing. encouragement and people saying, "Hey, you should pursue this and you do this," and you know, and I learned a couple of things. Uh, like, one, it's a very uh, thank. Thankfully, the sports, you know, that athletic background and, and the lessons that sports teaches you in life. Like, it was instinctive. It was in my gut. I felt like I, I felt like I liked the law because of a few good men, and not because I wanted. I had a love of being a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it was kind of like I started doing it. And I felt it the way about it that I did basketball, and it, it kept me up at night. And, I, and I, I, I wanted to get good at it, and I sucked at it. And there was something about loving being a freshman again. Yeah. And wanting to learn and have a challenge, a, 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 with challenge. a seemingly insurmountable challenge right. in front of you. It was just like, you know, when I got recruited, my choices, my choices to go to college were like, do I go somewhere where maybe I'll be a role player? like the ACC and Big East and yeah. those schools, or do I go to a mid-major and be a star yep. where an offense is designed around me? And I'm yeah. like, I just got to know if I can play at that level. I, <laughs> I, I had to go, even though I knew I'd sit the bench for a while and it might not work out. Um, and so it was the same thing. I was just like, when I started to get a little bit of traction and people telling me to chase it, and I started studying and working at it, then I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm just going to go for it. And if it doesn't work out, then 
you know, I, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to be friends friends this past year. It's it's a pretty new friendship, but I can tell you're kind of the same person. You probably believe in the same definition of failure, and mm-hmm. that it's a stupid one. Exactly. And failure failure is nothing more than an opportunity to check something off your list and an opportunity to get redirected in a, in the right way. Wow. It's a good failure is the one of rock bottoms like our single most informative place as human yes. beings. So when a failure happens, that only means that you've met some people, and if you're open minded and you're active, you can get redirected to the next experience. It's Man. like, oh, that wasn't for me, but I met a few people, or I, this, I got exposed to this. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and it redirects you somewhere else. Like, failure is an amazing thing. That's a super good point. Are you sure you haven't read my book already? I mean, that's a lot of what it's about, redefining what failure means. Seriously. <laughs> I'm still learning how to read, but uh, <laughs> no, oh, no, I haven't. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's amazing. That's so what I said. Spot on. I, could tell, I could tell that you think the same way, Absolutely, just in limited man. conversations that we've and had And we love before. challenge. We love competition. And that's right. If, if failing at something is just one door closing, four more opening for an and, opportunity and, that's and let's, and, and let's face it, 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 even taking it at face value, like, I want my kids to learn how to lose. You yeah, learn how to win. No you learn how to lose. Like they're all important, important lessons in life. Like in team play and going after something that's bigger than you. And again, all of the, all those valuable lessons of team sports. Um, and so, long long winded answer, but ultimately, like great I, I had a I had a kind of a sure thing career sitting in front of me. And then I told my parents I'm moving to Hollywood to act. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs> I bet. Like, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, good luck, have fun, don't ask for money. <laughs> and so and you come out and, and you start. Well, let's go, let's go into that because that's interesting because you were broadcasting for ESPN mm-hmm. and going to go to law school. So if anybody looks at and, that. Uh, and I felt, like there was a, I felt like there was an opportunity in the reason I wanted to go to law school was to be a sports agent because I felt like there was ah. an opportunity that agencies – because th- that was really, you know, this is 94, 95, and, 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 and this is when standardized contracts start coming to the NBA. So it was all about the endorsements. Yeah. And, what I, again, what I, what I thought was uh, uh, not there was an opportunity to manage money and take care of these guys' money. They make a lot, then they spend a lot, and then suddenly, you know, your career, look, like, this is a, you have an eight-year window, or uh, it's not long. You, you had a window this big to be a professional athlete. Someone's going to pay you for it, and you yep. make a lot of money, and then suddenly you make none. Yeah, and, no and, to, and to like, and so I, I started a business where I brought on a financial, uh, you know, CPA and financial planner, and I was going to go to law school. My best friend's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, and the two most marketed athletes in the world were Michael Jordan and Dale Earnhardt. NASCAR was blowing up. He was based in in Charlotte. I don't I don't even remember how I got a meeting, but I went down, and sat down with Dale Earnhardt. Wow! And the guy who ran. Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. They were making three million a year on the track and fifty-five off of it. <laughs> and in ninety-four, yeah. In wow. 90, this is this is ninety-five, and I said I said to them, "Hey, here's what I want to do. This is what here." They said, "Why are you here?" And I said, "Why are you only representing yourself? <laughs> you have you have a relationship with every corporation in America. Look at your car. Wow. Like NAS, everybody wants to be in business with NASCAR. It's like." you have an opportunity to take advantage of your resources to help other athletes and do it. And I think that we can manage their money and, and help them literally plan a, a 30 or 40 year life as right. opposed to a six year window. And so that day we had David Stern on the phone and registered with the NBA, the NFL, the NHL. Earnhardt would send his planes for me and, and I would oh fly down to races goodness. and we would meet and we're doing the business plan. And that's when I got that phone call to go to Hollywood. And I went and, you know, and, and so I kind of did it. But again, I, I, I just look what, you know, what are our big decision makers in our body? It's our head, our heart and our, and our gut. Right. Mm-hmm. You check in with all three mm-hmm. and you see like, hey, this makes sense on paper. You keep your ass here. You keep commentating <laughs> games. You start this business because it is 
teed up for success. Absolutely. And, um, but, you know, my heart and my stomach weren't as there as they should have been. And I just, yeah, it was just one of those moments. It was like, you know what? Those things won't disappear, but this opportunity might. And if it's failure, then I can look at myself. I'm just not a what-if guy. I don't want to look back and say, hey, what if I did this? I I, what I found in my life I is I've been able to I, – I regret the things I don't do more than the things I do. For sure. And, and so it doesn't mean I'm crazy. It doesn't mean I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm not robbing banks. I, I'm still making decisions based on a, hopefully a sound moral compass that my parents gave me and, and right. try to – lead a life that sets a good example for my kids and for me and that I feel good about. But at the same time, I look back and be like, you know what? I regret p- quitting piano lessons. I regret quit. Like there's some things that I wish I wouldn't have, that I wish I would have tried harder at. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? I have no problem failing and missing this window and it'll come that. back around if it's supposed to, cause I'll work hard and we'll see. And, and that's a big compliment to your success is because you're not afraid to take the risk to take that chance, to step out there, take that big swing. Because a lot of people will settle for good, and mm. the, enemy of, the enemy of great is not bad, it's good. But you didn't even have that. You had great to greater. Like you I, had it all teed up right there, and you had to take that step and take that risk to go into Hollywood walk and something away that was and walk away from unforeseen. It. And, and I didn't know anybody. The only, the only person I knew, you know, look, you, I grew up in western Pennsylvania above Pittsburgh. And so, you know, it's like... You know, people are like, what town? I'm mean, like, and I usually say it's the town right in between Deer Hunter and all the right moves. It's that town. It's that little blue collar, all white factory town where the first day of buck season's off from school because no one's going to be there. And, you know, and so you use your sport to get out of town. Yep. And I did that. And then you're supposed to be a professional, like yep. doctor, lawyer, dentist. Yep. You go to get to college, go to professional school and you're a success. And so I was on that, that imaginary path that someone else creates for you. Yep. And yep. and so, uh, you know, it got to that point where I kind of – I had to have a real uh, a real talk with myself about what matters and what, what, do, what do I want, you was know? Was there any point when you were out here in Hollywood after you made that jump that you were like, Dang, Dumbass. Dang, maybe I yeah, should have Dumbass, of course. It still happens. Um, <laughs> Trust you know, me, man. You it, made the right no, choice. It's a, it's a, I, well, I don't look, know. You could have been the most powerful agent in the world. Never so know. David Falk, who? Um, but yeah, no, it, listen, it's, I love what I do and I'm happy as can be. Yeah. Like any business, there's going to be ups and downs and, uh, you know, and, and Hollywood's certainly, certainly no different, but, you know, kind of growing up over there in that area and when you don't have a relative that's in the business or you know anything about that's it, tough. it's, it's sunglasses and autographs and drugs and earthquakes yep. and gangs. Like that's all you hear about Los Angeles, you know, like you just, you don't know any better. <laughs> right. And so my parents are terrified and you come out and, and you just keep trying. And the only person I knew was a guy I played with it at Wake Forest, Rodney Rogers, who was playing with the Clippers Rodney at the Rogers, time. Yeah. And so I went to a game, I got a ticket and he's running in the tunnel. I'm like, Rod, Rod. And I was yelling at him. And, and he looked up. It was when the Clippers were awful. And like, I, I might have been one of four people at the game. So that's why he heard me. Um, and, and he looked up. He's like, Mark, what are you doing here? He's like, come down here. And so I went out back. And so I ended up, I ended up living with Rodney for the first two or three months. And it was an amazing. That's so cool. It was so generous of him. Like, I'll never forget that. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I ended up staying with, with he and he was married and a kid. And, and, and they let me just kind of crash in a, in a guest bedroom for a couple of months until I got a little bit of footing and had somewhere to kind of land when I got man. here. That's, um, an, that's an amazing story. I mean, that's, that's big time risk, man. It's big time risk. But it's just like who you are. I mean, it's 
You're not afraid of a challenge. You're not afraid to fail, and that's what's driven you to your success. Yeah, and, and I think it's even beyond that. It's it's not just the it's just not the looking at it glass half empty in terms of being afraid to fail. It's I like the challenge. You I like embrace the, the challenge. I, I, yeah. I embrace yep. not being good at something yeah. and wanting to work at it and learn. And that's I think that's part of our jobs too. It's just like when are you? Why stop learning? Like YouTube for an adult, for a do-it-yourselfer, is like the greatest thing on the planet. I learned more shit on how to build my house. Like, oh, this is amazing. And, you, you know, it's just like, and so I, I feel like that's that's kind of what we're signing up for. And part of our jobs is people to, like, yeah. keep growing, keep expanding has, and do something different. Has that always been in your DNA? Has that, has that mindset development, has it always been who you are? Are there things that you do to train your mind to perform at your highest level? Are you even taking in for, like, you're going into auditions now. Left and right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not an easy task. Is there stuff that you do to train your mind to well, be able to prepare? Well, uh, again, I mean, look, this, the, the, the sports background is absolutely a blessing and a curse. Like, let's, let's be clear. Uh, you know, I'm no LeBron and nor am I De Niro. So <laughs> let, let's figure out where I'm at in this whole scheme I'm with you right there, man. But that said, um, the sports background was a true blessing and curse because there's so many parallels the discipline, the work ethic. Yeah. It's like, hey, if I can shoot a free throw at Duke, I can go into a break, yeah. I can go into an audition with seven people. It's not, I don't give a shit about it. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, every night I was guarding a, I was guarding a Hall of Famer at, the, at that at that period of time between Grant and Stack. Like it was it's a great just, time it was a crazy time to be in the ACC. Yeah. And before it got watered down with the super conferences and everybody merging, right. and the ACC tournament was like the Super Bowl. Like you couldn't yeah. get a ticket. Like, yeah, it was crazy. I know. Um. And so in that respect, there's a lot of parallels. But the, the huge disadvantage is in sports, and I know this is going to sound a little bit rocky here, but it's just like we're basically trained to not show emotion, certainly vulnerability and weakness. We're trained to, like, if anything, it's intensity it's, it, you know, it, 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 that's the only thing you're allowed to show, a passion and an intensity. Well, guess what? Acting is the opposite of yeah. that. It's the reveal of all of those things. And, and it took me a long time to, one, understand it, but then, two, own it. I got 20 years of, like, you're not going to get the better of me. Fuck you. Like, I'm not weak. <laughs> I'm not, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm coming at it in college, especially, uh, you know, one of the shortest guys in the, uh, uh, the, the, the court, you know, I always jokingly say I was playing above my gene pool. <laughs> I had no business being there with those guys. And so the only way to do it was to play at a certain intensity, intensity and level. And it had to be a little Rocky esque to be yeah. like, I can play with these guys and this is how it has to be. I'm not going to back down and, and show any kind of weakness, and you're not going not yeah. to knock me over, and I'm not going to get up right away. And, and, and it's just like that mentality no is doubt. the exact right. opposite, opposite for being a good actor. Shoot, I so struggle with that too. Time. I mean, my wife would tell you me opening up and being vulnerable and showing emotion is like the hardest thing to do. Because we've been trained against exactly. it. We've been trained to be as even-keeled as possible, to be laser-focused and locked in and be a sniper. And be yeah. like, it's just like boom, boom, boom. And you, and you have, uh, again, I... It's so weird because, like, you know, while at Wake Forest, like, the night before we played Carolina and Duke and, uh, you know, I sleep like a baby. Like, I, I, I wasn't nervous. But the night after the game that we played, I had to ratchet it up to such a level, I couldn't go to bed till 4 o'clock that night. <laughs> so tournaments when it was, like, back-to-back games kind of crushed me because I couldn't turn it off after yeah. the game because I had to get so up to yep. play with that level of, 
of athlete. Man, that's <laughs> you know? spot on. Yeah. So what, let's say you're going into an audition. Is there anything that, that you're preparing for? Are you doing any type of routines or habits that you have that um, really get you the, locked in? You know, whether it's an audition or whether it's like work, on a roll. Right. work, it's funny because, again, it's such a sports thing. And I tell this to a lot of young actors and everything else. I was like, look, your mind works better when your body's engaged. If you gave me, like, here's a three-page scene, sit at this table and learn it, I'd be like, mm, how about I go for a walk? Yeah. I have to – I get on a treadmill. I get up and I go hike my property oh, outside. It, it walk city blocks. Like, yep. if I'm on location somewhere, I got it. My body has to move and my mind works better. For sure. It's just there's something about it. I'm yep. sure it's a lot of the athlete training thing. I'm sure there's some science involved that I don't know about. But – um, so really that's the prep. Like I make sure that I, I am able to go and have that time to take a walk and get prepared because it does two things for me. One, it helps take off any physical edge. And again, it's not a nervous thing, but there is like no, no, no. an anxiety. Yeah. You have yeah. a thing, but it's also the mental prep. It's the homework. It's what I miss most about the sports, the camaraderie with the guys and the mental approach, yep. the scouting reports, yep. the film. Yep. You know, if Grant Hill, if he dribbles with his left hand, he wants to pull up for a shot. If he goes right, his favorite move is this. Like, it's the mental stuff. And so it's like if I have a broken down a, a script and a scene and I know what I want to execute, going on that walk helps reassure all of those things. Then I can go in the room and I feel like I'm on my, my mental game, I'm on my physical game. And it's like... Like, that's perfect, though. That's yeah. what a lot of people don't understand, too, with the great success that you've had in acting, too. It's not like it just happens, either. It's all preparation. Oh, no. Everything's all. a preparation for that opportunity to come. And then you've known you've prepared so much, that's like right. you did and on I, court. Literally, I like just get done saying, I, you know, I was, just doing, I was just doing a podcast. That the, my first big break was on the show Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. And I got it before I was ready. I was not a trained actor. I got the opportunity before I was prepared for the opportunity. And yeah. I sucked on the show. You go back and look at it. I'm terrible. I'm a bad I'm actor. Watch it. But and I can't watch it. I sweat. It's fuck. It's awful. I'm not kidding. And and literally, we were all just talking about, like, we were just kind of going through this. I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not fishing for a compliment. Like, it was just one of, like, I, everything got captured on film. It's like being thrown in a game and you're just, you're, you're yeah. not ready for it. Yeah. And I wasn't. Like, that's how you learn. I, like, you have to play tennis against someone better than you and that's how you're going to get better and getting thrown to the wolves and it was it was a it was a the 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 pie chart of my or you know just the graph the grid of my of my evolution and how quickly i was learning was it flew off off the charts at that period of time but all my mistakes are captured and <laughs> for everybody to sit and you know I've, I've chosen two things in life where everybody can hit a rewind button write <laughs> right. notes on how bad you are and then report it back to you that's right and i'm funny. like what the hell what, what, what am i thinking this <laughs> I is way it. beyond just a performance evaluation that you get in your yearly right you know, that corporate thing's never job. going away go we're gonna yeah we're pumping buffy back out there it might be a <laughs> we might put that on as our next that's episode right. that's right but back then it and i know you can relate to this as a coach and a motivator it's like I would put in the time, but the focus and the, what I was putting it in wasn't good. It's like 45 minutes of busting your ass in the gym is better than four hours yeah. of doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's like I, you can get a lot more. And now I can, I can minimize and be, right. and be economical and intense and yep. do all the things. Back then, I didn't know. Yep. I'd work my ass off, but it was all the wrong work. Like <laughs> yeah. I was dribbling it off my foot too much. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, this is the drill I'm supposed to do to get better at this. Because I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that educational foundation because I was a business major. I, I know I, I didn't know how to do it. It's funny, isn't it? Like, like same way for me. At 27, I got to be the shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Way too early. Yeah. Then I yeah. like 
than I deserved and what I knew. Like, if I could do it now, I'd do such a much better job. I wasn't, I was given an opportunity I wasn't really prepared for. It's like no but one that thinks makes that you, but that's, but, be, it, exactly. that's been able to make you now exactly. like yeah. one of the preeminent and, and still be viewed as is so young to have right. done it because you got stretched. It's like, yeah. it's like you say, it's like, and, and I'm sure you, you say the NBA version of this. I'll say it to kids when I'm coaching my kids' yeah. teams. I'm like, hey, if you're just dribbling it and you don't kick it off your foot, all you're doing is stuff you already know how to do. You got to push good, yourself. Man. You got to push yourself to a point where you kick it out of bounds and got to go chase it. Now you did something that you you tried something new and different that was harder than outside of your of your of your initial skill set. That's how that's how you grow. That's and get the bigger. NBA version too, man. I've yeah. had many conversations with pre-draft guys of that same type of thing. Yeah, like get you out of get stretch. out of your get box. Of your you got to stretch, and 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 those are many failures. That's how man. we get bigger. God, you could be a mindset coach yourself. As a <laughs> shoot, forget acting. What 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 motivates you to get out of bed now? What is your drive? Like, what's the thing you wanna you want to just you just wake up super juiced up because you have a great energy about you. You have a, a, an infectious smile about you, a joy yeah. about you. Just like your your energy is everlasting. <laughs> what are you doing Saturday? <laughs> um, <laughs> you got kids after no, the red no, eyes. Kids after the red yeah, eye. I'll all be here um, sleeping. No, it's flattering. Thanks thanks for saying it. You know it's. It's, it's a couple of things, honestly. Um, I'm always going to be a family first guy. Like, uh, you know, my kids and, and like, that's always my, my wife and, 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 and that's always going to be a motivator. Like I'm motivated to be a great dad. I'm motivated to be a f- provider. Uh, you know, all of those things. Fear is a motivator. I want to succeed. I want to do well. Um, and it's taken, it's funny because uh, look, in the different pockets of your life, it just take it evolves and takes on different meaning at different times. You know, it's like you're single. It's just like, you don't have to worry about covering yeah. your monthly. Like it's not so big, and it's not you don't have that responsibility, and you have a family, and it and it changes. And you know, we moved to the country in Pennsylvania, and and it was a, it was a real leap for us. It was especially for my wife, because, you know, she kind of grew up in urban areas mostly, and um, and even though her mom was only about an hour away, and my family was was a little further than that, but it's like living on a farm in Pennsylvania was a big stretch. And so it was really hard for me to then come to California or where I had to go to go chase work, yeah. not feeling like my family was set up and happy and, and going. And, and so it's like, I jokingly, I, it got to those first five years when we had, we had two, we had two kids there. So like super young babies and newborns and getting pregnant and all those things. And then, you know, it's like, I'd always like cry when I'd leave town. I didn't want to go. And I, I, ha- I had some guilt. Like, are you guys going to yeah. be okay? And I'm out here chasing. Well, I-, I think you can smell that in the water a little bit too. And for it's sure. just like, I was working and doing enough and all those other things. But then last year for the first time I left and I didn't cry. And I was like, <laughs> don't I love my kids anymore? <laughs> like what is going on? And they all have a full life. Like, yeah, they like suddenly that guilt or that responsibility to there for their happiness is, which is none of our jobs. My wife has some like amazing phrases and you know, one of them that I've always remembered, she's like, it's not my job to make you happy. It's my job to bring the best version of myself to this relationship because that's, what's going to make you happy is mm-hmm. get me, me giving you the best of me. And it's such Pretty a great cool. way to say it. It's like, really it's, good. and so I've always taken that as a piece of advice. I've taken that piece of advice, and but seeing them kind of all happy and in place, I could come back into my career more of a killer. Yeah, and kind of go for it again. Right, you know, because it's like in I, I was only on half it. going for no it. No doubt. Right, and it's like so. Just this past year, like I said, last year was the first time that I was like, oh, like I, I can get, I can really 
go for it, go after the dream again. Because yeah. for the past 10 years, it's just been about making babies and a home and yeah. getting my family set up, which, I, which is not, I don't say it as like, I sacrifice, there's no sacrifice, that's the priority. <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? For it's sure. Like, I did not want to be here and single when I, until I was 55. Absolutely. Being, it's like, I'll give up movie star any day of the week to have my family and what I have. So and cool, so it's man. like, I'll give up the dream and the chase and go and get that all in place and come back. And now I'm, you know, I feel like I'm kind of locked in again, which is kind of a, it's a good feeling yeah. to have and that again. And you, you know? have that comfort zone of knowing your family's at a good spot. The That's kids right. are being and raised and now life. you can really cool. They're doing right. my life's doing great. And, and like everybody's happy and it's like, I miss them and it's awful, but it's not, it's not debilitating. Yeah. Like it doesn't stop me, you know, it, it helps. Now it helps motivate. Exactly. You know, but guess what? You took that sports and not being able to show emotion. Hey, you're talking about crying when you were leaving. Yeah, exactly. That's great. You obviously right. got really good at yes. it. <laughs> Right. Oh, I love it, man. Okay, I'm going to throw you on the rapid-fire hot seat. So whatever Uh-oh. comes to your mind, mm-hmm. go with it. Pizza. Roll with it. Oh, Pizza. Oh, okay, wait. All right, go <laughs> It's ahead. always on your mind. Right. We just ate. Right. Your favorite mindset quote that you live by. Something – I mean, you just said a great one from your wife. From my wife. <laughs> Too bad you didn't save that one. Do you have any um, – Ones that you um, really that have resonated you know, with you for a long this time. Is, this is kind of so. This is so long winded. Like, look, we all have our little phrases. Shoot for the moon. If you miss, you're going to land amongst the stars. Yeah, I love that. But like, uh, what? Uh, my assistant coach who recruited me. My assistant coach at Wake Forest, Jerry Wainwright, who's a, like a legend in coaching circles and five star camp. Oh, and yeah, I think yeah. All these places been around forever. Once a week in the hard mail, I get three to six sheets of paper that says from the desk of Jerry Wainwright. And there's a quote. It could be from it could be from a poet. It could be from an athlete. It could be from a coach, a president. Like it could be funny. You know, one might say, wow. you know, had a salad for lunch today. You know, mostly mostly croutons and tomatoes. And okay, okay, it was kind of one big crouton. It was, all right, it was pizza with tomato <laughs> sauce. I was pizza. Uh, you know, and they might be funny, or they might be something like, you know, build your own dreams, or someone else is going to hire you to build theirs. You know, Love it could it. be motivational. It could be thing. And I have, I have a stack. It must be seven feet high. Every week? Every week. Holy. Um, I just had my 25-year college reunion. Oh, my gosh. And he has a handful of guys that he sends these out to. And at some point, I'm probably going to laminate them in, like, like wallpaper, like a man cave bathroom or That'd something. So and cool. just have all these quotes around. Man. And so there's so many of those. You know, it's like. You know, if you lick from the lollipop of average, you you, you set yourself up to suck forever. I'm like, this is great. You know, <laughs> you gotta take some pictures and so send many them to me, man. I, 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 I will. They're they're amazing. Ama- Talk and about consistency. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll Holy never forget. Smokes. I'll never forget the first one we, I ever got. The first one was my freshman year of college, preseason conditioning. It's like six o'clock in the morning, and we got to go out and run and all that shit. And taped to our locker was one of these I'm telling you they're the same is what this was 1991 and they're the they look the same <laughs> the same little icon at the top from the desk of Jerry Wainwright with a stick figure basketball hoop and and it says every day in Africa a lion and a gazelle both wake up the gazelle knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it's going to die. The lion knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it's going to die. Either way, when the sun comes up, you better be running. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. It's like, it's like so 6 a.m. We're getting ready for preseason conditioning, and we're all going to be running our asses off. And I was just like, this is And you is weren't amazing. the slowest guy. And so I've saved him. Uh, I've saved him forever. And so I have these that was the files and files. Of God, these. I got to. I'm gonna come out there just to look yeah, at those. Yeah, check it out. You did. You weren't the slowest guy though. That that day, were you? That day? Yeah. 
After you read that first one, the you know, line in the distance, gazelle? distance, I kind of sucked at. Well, my my time on tough. day one distance and my time tough. six weeks later was almost the same. Huh. I was I one of those weird guys. Like I was better at the sprints yeah. than I was at distance. Well, that's good because basketball is a sprint. Uh, well, yeah. you ain't yeah, kidding. Kind of a distance. Put them <laughs> right? both. Yeah. I'm trying to look at the glass half full for you. That's right. All right. What about – what is your definition of leaving a legacy? Not necessarily what the world thinks it might be, but what is your – Legacy. My definition of leaving a legacy is like, are my kids good people? Cool. Uh, you know, it's just like, it's really good. The, the qualities I want to, the, the qualities I want to pass on to them are, are hard work and, and character and, and respect for each other, respect for yourself, and the self esteem and confidence to say, I'll bet on myself and I'll live with the consequences regardless of that is if I'm willing to do the work for it, and. You know, because I, I think, that, look, at the end of the day, here's what we can control, our character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can be a good guy. That's great. I can't, I, can't, I can't control whether Scorsese calls me. I'll be as good as actor as I can be. Yep. I, I don't know. Right. I, you know, but I, I know that I'll be a good guy, and I'll try to make decisions, Love you it. know, it, it, that serve me and my family and try to hurt no one along the way. And, it, you know, and so it's really good, just going to be about human character and condition, you know. Man, that's such a good answer. Such a good answer, and especially in an industry, people would never really think about that being what. You know, again, is I just had this talk doing a Buffy podcast, and it's like they said a version of the same thing to me, which was of every fan that that writes in and listens. This is like an award-winning podcast, and this kind of gets out there a little bit. Yeah, kind of like they're this like podcast you are classically known as the nicest person ever. I'm like, look, I'm not that nice. I was an <laughs> athlete. Like, you can't be that nice if you're an athlete. I'm kind of an asshole sometimes too, but. <laughs> Um, I said, it's just, what's embarrassing is, is that we're having this conversation. Like, why am I so, it's not a matter of why am I so nice? It's like, why aren't you? It's like, it's funny to me how artists or athletes or musicians get a, get a hall pass on this whole, like they can be, you know, unkind to others and selfish and, and weird. And I'm like, I just don't subscribe to those things. Like. We can control our character. Go be a good... I, 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 I would so much rather be known as a good person than a good actor. That's just truly the end of the day, that all that really matters. Man, that's so good. It's, you know, yeah, everybody in the room is a person. Everybody is valued. It doesn't matter what you've done, and again, who people it's, it's think the, you it's are. It's the sports background. Yeah. I'll look at the guy operating the camera. I'm not better than him. Without, right. the, with, without him doing his job, we don't get a TV show. We don't get a movie. Same thing. I, I, we, we're all role players. And it's something I remember. I'll never forget this. In high school, you know, I, I literally had the movie Hoosiers. We won two state championships. I was Jimmy Chitwood. We were all white. We played all man-to-man defense. We, you know, we were 88 and 6 in my three years in high school. And, and, and I'll never forget, I was the only guy to go play in college. Like, I, was a t- I jumped center at 6'2". And, um, and I'll never forget, like, we got so much attention for being a small town in Pennsylvania and that, you know, the news came and interviewed like he was our, he was our Dennis Rodman. He set screens and he rebounded. Like he was, he was like the enforcer, you know, he was kind of like that guy. Yeah. And for a 17 year old, I'll never forget. It's like the question literally was like, Hey, do you get jealous sometimes that Mark and Joe might get all the attention from scoring so much? He's like, we're all players. That's their role. That's what they do. Like they're so scorers. Cool. He's like, uh, you know, I, I set picks, I rebound, we all defend. Like, that's our, we all know our roles, we all know our jobs, but the, the success doesn't happen with one role player not doing their thing, even though yep. one might be more showy or might get more attention. At the end of the day, that's the team, it's that team 
concept and valuing every member of the team that is going to ultimately land with the best product. You know, it's, it's, it's no, it's, I mean, look, I'm biased because I was Tim's plus one for 20 years, you know, (laughs) at the Spurs, but there's a reason they've won best organization in sports forever. Yeah. Like they just, they don't have an ego and they're superstars, David, Tim, Tony, Manu, like they never did. And they believe in this, like, we're all here for a common goal and let's everybody put in your best superpowers to make it happen. And, uh, you know, and, and it's nice to see that at a huge level. When Tim retired, I wrote a letter to Popovich thank, <laughs> th- thanking him for because it's like, look, he's he's the guy that his job is turning boys into men. For sure. And that's how he looks at it. They go play the Knicks, and he gets tickets to go see Hamilton for the whole team. Like, they do things beyond that's and cool. outside the court yep. that are amazing. And I felt like I got to at least brush up against that kind of leadership and influence and character, like, that, that kind of example. And so I was like, I thanked him when Tim retired. That's and it was so like, cool. I just felt like kind of just by osmosis and proxy and seeing behind the curtain a little bit. I got to grow as a person from it, and so th- I was appreciative. You know, and you embody the Spurs culture as it is, though. I could see why you and Tim were best well, friends. Well, it's, yeah, he's kind of that guy. Yeah, you know? exactly that role. Let's, man, we could do a whole podcast of behind the scenes Spurs how to, how they built oh, their man. culture. That'd be interesting. That'd be. I'm not allowed. I'm not. I know you. I've signed an NDA. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah. Did they really make you do no, that? No, no, I was gonna okay. say. I can see that. Right. All right. What's What's next? What's What's coming up next um, for you? By the way, that that basketball movie was Pleasantville, right? Yeah. I I remember yeah. your part. I loved that movie. I was right I off the loved bus. That movie. I went to it. I went to it. It was an open call audition, which means anybody can go. Topeka can't. Like wow. anybody can go. And I'll never forget the writer-director, who's a huge writer-director, Gary Ross, um, who's done The Mockingjay, you know, like Seabiscuit. He wrote Big with Tom Hanks. Like, he's a huge filmmaker. And 4,000 kids were there. It was three days of basketball shooting for, like, extra work. But, you know, it was kind of like nobody misses in Pleasantville. And so, same thing, like what you were saying about shooting, it was kind of like... He, he, he said, who played basketball in high school? And everybody there raised their hand. He's like, y'all just want the job. Who played in college? In my mind, I'm like, just be a sports fan. <laughs> and, and I was the only one. I see, he said, where'd you play? I said, Wake Forest. He's like, on scholarship. I go, yeah. He goes, like, I go, I guarded Grand Hill, Jason Kidd, and Jerry Stackhouse. He's like, yeah, you stand over here. <laughs> and that day I went to him and I said, hey, look, Mr. Ross, like, I don't know anything about your movie. Like, I just, I literally, I've been in L.A. three days. Like, I just got here. But, you know, I, I was like sixth in the nation you know in three-point shooting and if you need someone to make shots off camera like i can do all that stuff you need someone to choreograph the scenes for you i will he's like meet me at warner brothers next week so i went up he tells me about the script we're going so i'm going to do like three days of basketball choreography and and make shots off camera and and again i'm coming in crazy confident i just got done playing pro basketball like (laughs) it's just there it's that pocket of your life when you're fearless you're indestructible yep like there's you can do anything and and you know so we shoot around and we do this whole thing. And I, you know, I have this thing that I used to do the, the one handed behind the, the behind the back half court shot, oh, you know, yeah, over yeah, the, yeah. Head, the one hander, you know, and where I would make an unusual percentage. I might make one out of 10 of these things. Like, you know, it's really good. And so we're shooting, we're shooting in like an inside of a sound stage, like this massive area with a basketball. We were shooting around talking about the script, what he wants. Okay. You do these things. And I'm walking out and I'm a half a mile away from the basket. I'm like, Hey, Mr. Ross, if I make this shot, will you give me a line in your movie? 
He's like, you make that shot, I'll put you in the whole movie. I shoot it, and it was like Bird. Remember when he kept his finger up on the three-point yeah, shootout? You yeah, know? I'm like, see on set, and I turn around, the fuck, it went straight in. <laughs> he starts freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. In myself, I'm like, Mark, be cool. Bitch, be cool. You freaking walk out the door. And, <laughs> and, and, and he's freaking out. And so after, so like a week later is the basketball stuff. I shoot the basketball scenes. And this is film. This isn't digital. This was 20 years ago, 25 years ago now. And they bring out the canisters of film. He brings like three canisters out. And again, I'm so confident. I'm like, you're not going to need three of those things. Because they got to they see the ball going in the basket from so many angles. Right, and right, so they right. just took the camera around the three-point line. I stood behind him. One magazine went through. It was one of those moments where like the, the, the whole crew claps. Because they're not used to seeing a special right, skill. Like, right, like right, They right. saw Cirque du Soleil happen yeah. in basketball. Like, yeah. I just did it. And, um, and then I went back to meet with Earnhardt and Duncan. Like, this was when I was deciding. Oh, my god! This was right at the beginning of me getting yeah. here. And I went back, and, I, and while I was in North Carolina, I get a phone call from Gary saying, Mark, I, 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 like, I've seen all the dailies. Like, you're great. I, want, I do want you in the whole movie. Come back. And so I got on a plane, and I came back. God. And, and so my first experience was with, you know, it's like Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire and Joan Allen and, and Jeff Daniels and Don Knotts and, like, and, and Paul Walker and Marley Shell. Like, it's an amazing cast of people, and it was that... It was the first time I could see the two things that are important to me. Can I work my ass off and have fun? Because they, they approached it the same way. Because I think, I think both can exist. You don't have to be an asshole. You can have a great time and still get it, accomplish things. We can have a great time doing what we do and, and be Love and have it. it matter. And have it matter. Yeah. It's like and, spot on. And, 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 and work hard at it. And we can still have a good time doing it and still be intense and all those things that you, you and I know and be focused. And that experience, I saw people doing it. And that's kind of that's the one that's kind of set the hook and cemented it for me. I was like, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot. Man, yeah. I wonder if you would have missed that half court shot, where your uh, life would be. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> you don't still know. Got it. I, I, you, you truly, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in those faded moments. Absolutely, you just, you just don't know, you know. That's so cool. So what's what's coming next? What's next on the well, slide? Well, I, I, th- I mentioned to you before we started, like I was doing this Apple series that Kevin DeGrant created about about his experience in AAU basketball. Yeah. And so we were, it was an, you know, it's an Apple show, and, and it was amazing. It was really well written and with a really terrific group of people involved. And someone got hurt, and so we've been shut down, and we don't kind of know. We don't kind of know if what's going to happen right, next. They right. just, it's the holidays right now, so they're going to figure out they're going to shut down, come back, and make a decision. So in January, they'll let us all know kind of what, what happens. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, I, 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 there's so much, so many times in, in, being an actor that you're a free agent and you're out pounding the pavement and busting your ass and you wait for the phone call but until that phone you make sure you're ready for that phone call so i'm in la i'm in la i I come to la to beg i always jokingly say it's like (laughs) hey you come out here to beg you work you knock on doors you try to do other things and you know i think that i've matured and gotten to the point where again because i didn't study it i'm not like matt and ben and leo these guys that have been here since they've been 12 and 13 years old i had a different life before any of this this didn't happen to me i was 25 i was uh, i was 15 years late yeah and so right now i feel like i've really gotten my footing in 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 as a as a storyteller and i'm starting to try to grow that and you know the more positions you play, the more minutes you get in the game. And so I'd like to be able to, you know, write, direct, act, produce, star, and, and, and just do other things in the business. Because, it's, again, it's, it's that perpetual quest for challenge. And you see a mountain, and it's like, hey, I'm going to take a shot at it. And I'm preparing myself to do that. And, 
you know, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I'll I'll give it the I'll no, give it the whole, I'll, I'll, give, it, I'll give it the swing for the fences. You're and, one of the people that and, I, and, and if I whiff and fall down on my ass in front of sixty thousand, so be it. <laughs> so be you it. Know? Doesn't matter. Something better mm. will even come. Like you're That's one right. of the few people out there that if, I mean, if you say something, like, I know you're gonna do it. Like you have that drive, um, you have that determination. You're not gonna let yourself. Uh, yeah, it, it is, not, and it's so funny because literally, I, I've done these two things now for all of my life and it's the only two other than a bunch of side jobs that we've all had to do and make ends meet or whatever it's like i've done the version of this you know these two things are the only two things i've really done my whole life and it was like only one job ago one movie ago last year where someone said to me they're like oh my god that's amazing you've been paid as an athlete and as an actor not many people can say that i'm like oh my gosh you're right like No, man, there's only so many professional athletes in the world. There's only so many professional actors in the world. I'm like, yeah, yeah I guess it is a, a pretty small target to hit. It's like you and Shaq be might be the only ones. Who knows? <laughs> did a movie. Like, <laughs> let's let the bar a little differently there. But, uh, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, outside of the uh, Space Jam crowd. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, it, uh, it is. And so, yeah, you know what? I, uh, I know that I'll... I'll know that I'll give it what I ha- everything I got, and if that still leads to a no, I'll be able to look myself in the mirror. Because, and that's what I try to help tell my kids. It's like, only you'll know. Like, only you'll know when you're alone with yourself if you gave it everything you had. Absolutely. Only you. Yep. you you're not going to answer yep. to anybody else, you know, because there's so much in this generation right now. It's like, hey... I want to take guitar lessons on Friday. And if they're not Taylor Swift by Monday, they quit. <laughs> it's like, hey, like you lose, it's, it's what I call the reset generation because they're like video gamers. Game, game, games. I died. Uh, quit. Uh, start again. It's like there's no consequences for some of the point. actions. There's really no, uh, you know, it's like there's no grit. There's no staying power. It's like, hey, get up off the, you know, it's like you got a standing eight count. Get up and go again. There's like, no 20 years keep, to become an overnight success. It. That's You're right. 20 years it's, into it. And that exactly. was like, that was Jamie Foxx's speech when he, when he won an Academy Award for playing Ray Charles in the movie yeah. Ray. You know, he's like, I laugh because everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Jamie Foxx, overnights is sex. He's like, I've been in L.A. for 17 years. <laughs> exactly. There ain't nothing overnight about it, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> Everybody just sees and it. They don't see the back-end work that's, that you relentlessly put in. And that's, that's, just, that's just what it takes more often than not. There's for always sure. going to be a few little examples where someone hits the lottery and they're a trust fund baby. Yeah, but otherwise, right. Otherwise, it's... We ain't hitting that. Nah. 99.9% of us aren't hitting that. <laughs> exactly. It's the 0.1% percent of podcast. That's right. So how can we all follow what you're doing? How can we all... Check you out. Where's where's the best way to find you? I mean, you know, we're I, gonna be like, all watching Buffy reruns for sure. That's happening. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe some '94 Wake Forest Duke games. Yeah, well, that's that 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 was the line I said to my very first agent, who said they would represent me. They're like, I don't even need to see any tape. I'm like, unless you want to see me play in Duke or Carolina, I got no fucking tape to show you. <laughs> like, I don't have any. I haven't worked. That's um, hilarious. And so, uh, so yeah, look, I'm blessed and I'm lucky that that. I've had a. I've been able to support my family and make a living doing what you love. And and you see, a lot of people and probably my parents included in that that did what they were yeah. supposed to do or had to do. And I don't know how much passion and love was involved in it. And so I've, I've, yeah. I count myself in the lucky few that definitely have been able to find something that I love that's challenged, that's perpetually challenging, that keeps me kind of burning and going. And and you ride the wave when you can. You try to force you try to force the waves as best you can. Sometimes you just got to sit there on the board for a while until it happens. <laughs> yeah. But then when it comes, it comes, you know. So we can just say Google Mark Lucas. Uh, that's, that's the way. Just, uh, uh, when you, you can have a term that says Google me, 
Wikipedia uh, me. Unfortunately, you're doing that, right. now that that's become a verb, <laughs> you know, that's 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 the world. That's kind of the world we Instagram live in. Instagram, there's another verb for you. My goodness, yeah. Last question uh, for you: What does being a one percenter mean to you? Um, you know, the first thing that came to mind for me was something that I've always said. It's like you'll probably be more talented than me, but you're not going to outwork me. Uh-huh. And so the one percenter for me means That's spot on. I just won't be outworked. I might still lose, and I got no problem with it. Yep. But I learned early on the direct correlation between hard work and payoff, and 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 success. And so for me, it, it just means I feel like that other ninety nine percent that we're talking about, I'll outwork them. I'll Love be in it. the one percent of the work crew. Such a good answer, man. Just yeah. like I hope you. St- Oh, I know you will. I hope you stay in acting just so you don't come become a mindset coach or a motivational speaker because you'll take me out. Like, just nah. for listening to this podcast, you're amazing. Nah, and it's, just, it's, it's, it, look, it's, I'm, flattered, I'm flattered that you had me. You're, you're talking about things that are obviously important to me and in my wheelhouse and things that we try yeah. to pass down. It's admirable. It's admirable that you're, you're doing it and spreading that word and, Thanks, and, and letting the people that are here this understand there's there's no shortcuts that's exactly there's right just no shortcuts man thank you for coming and, and on being the one. a one percenter is a choice it's, it's a not choice. A, it's not genetic yeah exactly it's a choice yeah it's not a reset either no. it's a day after day no, after day it's, it's a choice relentless consistency you can be a of a man that's thank right. you for coming on this podcast okay, appreciate it yeah Grace thank you. Us with Best your presence. Luck. look forward to reading the book man yeah absolutely appreciate cool. it. Well, i'll add in a chapter of uh mark the buffy athlete <laughs> Make, um, make it way in the end. Okay, okay. <laughs> way late so in the game. Get if it's early, they might the stop book. reading. They're like, oh, fuck, I'm done with this thing. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Right, thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for listening to the 1% Podcast. Seriously, it means a ton to me. Time is the most valuable asset we have, and you are spending it with me. Thank you. And thank you for being the light you are to so many people in your life. Remember, no matter where you are or what you do, you have the chance to change someone's life daily. A smile, just listening to someone, even the smallest of small things, can change someone's entire perspective on life. Impacting one person's life can impact millions. And if you have a quick 30 seconds after this podcast and could leave a review, that would be amazing. That helps me to be able to continue to bring on great guests to this podcast. But if you don't have the time either, no biggie. Tell a friend, tell a family member, share this with someone you think could benefit from listening. And if you want, post what you learned from this episode up on Instagram. Tag me at davidnurse5. As each month, I'm going to pick a winner from the people who leave reviews and tags on Instagram. I'm sending them super swag one percenter gear. And I'm also going to be sending out my first book, Pivot and Go, coming super, super soon. But it is on pre-sale today. Right now, you can go get yourself a pre-sale. Be one of the first with a discounted price. Check it out at davidnurse.com or go to Amazon where you can search all books all over the place and you can order it there. It's on pre-sale today. Remember, the best gifts are gifts that can change someone's life. Thank you so much for being who you are. Feel more than free to reach out to me on Instagram at any time. I answer everyone back. I am always here for you. Have a great week. And remember, pour into yourself 1% daily so you can pour into others 1% every single day.